This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. Hopefully that woke you up. It's a beautiful one out there. I'm definitely going to be a little, little bit more of a, of a kind of partly cloudy kind of Saturday. But I'm definitely feeling good. Way better than I was about four or five days ago. Let's go ahead and put it that way. But of course, under the dome with CD, yours truly, back in the saddle inside the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And it's a beautiful view inside of here, me, myself, and I. And hey, you know, we appreciate you listening and however you're doing so, be it through that old school FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh yeah, and hopefully we appreciate you listening in as well if you're listening through the free mobile app, 1037game.com, and also those Fancy schmancy smart speakers, including Amazon Alexa. If you haven't already, make sure you re-enable your Alexa skill today to play 103.7 The Game. Because trust me, it's a hell of a way to listen to us wherever you are. And trust me, I'm sure most everybody has a smart speaker in 2021. I don't, technically, because I have a smart speaker or a assistant through my smartphone, through my Android, which is just a different conversation entirely about my Android phone, how... It gets a little weird sometimes. It gets a little wonky, but you know what? I like it nonetheless. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday afternoon, however you're doing. So whether you're pouring that second cup of coffee after an early morning, or maybe you're popping that first top, getting a little day drink on, appreciate you. And obviously we need to get down to brass tacks here and get down to business of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with that Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. I'm just going to go ahead and fire out the gates controversial like. Russell Wilson is not the answer. Disagree with me? we got plenty of time to hash that out. But for me, Russell Wilson isn't the answer for the long term. And that's what I'm wanting. I'm not wanting this to be a two to three year experiment because you got to remember, Russell Wilson isn't much. He's 32 years old. He's about my age. And you can about imagine the amount of bumps he's taken over the last few years. He's probably got three more years left in his professional career before he goes away. Now, mind you, of course, that could wind up changing. And he winds up feeling to a point where he can perform 
at this super duper level that we've seen him perform at. I just think that this whole potential suitors rumor in your window, it's a much ado about nothing. But in the world where Saints fans everywhere are wanting to see Russell Wilson join the black and gold, I got this to say. It's not the answer for the long term. You could probably get him, and it turns your franchise from being a quote-unquote rebuild to a bona fide contender in an NFC that feels like, keyword, feels like. Like we talk about the weather, the temperature. It feels like, feels like a contender in an NFC that feels like it could be a lot more entertaining than it was in previous years. Wilson's a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. You put him in, I think, out of the all the spots that were rumored, I think the Saints are the absolute A number one best spot. But here's the thing. It's a lot like selling your soul to the devil. You can have him, but at the same time, you've got to give up a whole hell of a lot. That includes draft picks. That includes probably getting rid of some offensive linemen and shipping them over to the land of the 12th man. I don't see that happening. Because the New Orleans Saints, I think, are more invested in long-term future in terms of getting these guys going to be sticking around for more than two to three years, hypothetically. And the guy that's kind of on those li- on that list for me is, you know, Jameis Winston's in there. And also Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's probably the name that I feel like he could pull off just in terms of the cap space and be able to stay underneath that rope. And he'd do that, that'd be absolutely massive. That would turn this whole franchise conversation around. But I still think that your answer is in the home of New Orleans right now and is in their home and saying, hey, we want you to be our guy, to be our leading man. And that's Jameis Winston. And yes, you could say, what about the 30-30 year that he had two years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, well, he had a crappy offensive line he was working with. And that's a big reason why he underwhelmed with a lot of his performances. And he had the he, his eye vision was absolutely jacked up. He had the LASIK surgery. Give him a chance. I'd say make sure you work out that contract to make sure you work out that potential and make sure it's a more backloaded deal. Because I think this first year for Jameis Winston being alone on top, I think this is huge. Because not only are you having to prove a lot of different things, you're having to prove to the world that you aren't the jamoke that you were last year. You're having to prove to the sports-loving community that is the NFL and the Saints fan base, that you aren't the guy that was basically throwing 30 turnovers in a ball game in a, in a season while also having 30 touchdowns. Because he has that potential to be that guy again. But I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen. This is his opportunity, his redemption song. And if he's not any good, it's time to go and try and find somebody else. But right now, I'm a person who's believing in that second chance. I'm the person who 
despite every single thing that I've thought for a while about Jameis Winston, I'm giving him that shot. And it's all because I just don't see a future for the New Orleans Saints with Taysom Hill at quarterback. I think there's a future for the Saints with Taysom Hill involved, but it just does not feel like the NFL and the Saints are going to be anywhere near a playoff caliber team with a spark plug type of guy being put into a role where he can only do so much, where he has to lead an entire team. Think about it like this. I think I've used this analogy before. It's all like chess. And the chess pieces are pretty simple to figure out. You know, pawns only move one space at a time. They'd be a lot like your offensive line. The queen is very much kind of that running back or whoever's that star player that can just go everywhere and go all out on you. Hell, Michael Thomas is probably a bishop. I mean, we call him slant boy, so he would only go diagonally. Rooks go side to side, so probably be more of a... But I think there's a lot... I digress on on the whole chess talk. To me, Taysom Hill is the queen in this conversation. Peace can move anywhere and get it done. You can't have a queen turn into a king in the chess piece, in the chess set. Because then what do you do? What do you do when your guy is absolutely get When your pawns are getting absolutely annihilated and there's no protection... Then that king gets taken down. And I wouldn't be surprised if that offense underwhelms with Taysom Hill. Jameis Winston is the guy that I want to see be the guy. I would, trust me, I would love to see Russell Wilson. But I just don't feel like he is the bona fide undisputed answer right here today. Can he be? Possibly. I doubt it, but I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing works out, how this whole offseason works out. I was hearing something somebody brought about a three-team trade this morning as I was making a way in. I was listening to some other stuff, and somebody brought up a potential three-team trade between the, I think it was the Seattle Seahawks, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Houston Texans where Dak went to Houston, Deshaun went to Seattle, and Wilson went to Dallas. That would be a really cool three-team trade. Of course, if it all works out, you're able to kind of set up shop and do things that way. But I'm 100% intrigued by this storyline. I just feel like people need to kind of temper their expectations and realize getting this guy would require giving up the farm. It's it's the monkey's paw. You give up one thing, but something bad is going to happen on the other hand. The, the, monkey's, the finger on the monkey's paw is going to curl, and now bad things will happen. I hope that that's not the case, but based off of past transgressions, based off of past things happening, I've got to believe that there's a chance some stuff could go down. And maybe, just maybe, this whole rumor in your window stuff with Russell Wilson is just very much a smokescreen. And that's where I think it is. It's all setting up to make sure that he gets what he wants. And what he wants is 
to have a better offensive line. They have sucked since the Jimmy Graham trade, and that's what he wants to change. Because if you change that, I think this team is absolutely way different than anything else when it comes right down to it. And that team is way different if you had a better offensive line. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD, and hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. We'll talk some more about the world of sports, but we'll get more into the world of prep sports because it was a pretty good Friday night. Boys, basketball playoffs got kick-started last night in earnest. Some interesting stories amongst Acadiana area teams. And also a really sad story out of New Orleans I'll talk about in just a little bit. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And man, oh man, high school playoffs, we're nearing the end game, people, and I think it's absolutely great to see. Because remember, about a year ago around this time, this was March 11th, was when all this stuff started getting shut down, college baseball was getting shut down. That we also saw, you know, college baseball, the end of the college basketball season getting wrapped up, all that stuff. The fact that, you know, this is something I kind of just noticed and, and realized and kind of took account for last night is that we had college baseball, college softball, we had NBA basketball going on, college basketball for both men's and women's, for the Cajuns. All that was going on last night. And then we had high school basketball playoffs going on. Think about a year ago, a year ago, or a year ago and some change. Let's go ahead and say that. Let's say, let's just go ahead and shoot for May of 2020. Would you have thought we'd be at the point where we're at right now, where we are able to have all these games be played through and we're nearing the end of the road? And, you know, we got a couple weeks. I mean, you heard about the tour experience that we're giving away, you know, that's coming up. The Louisiana Open's going to be coming back. And that was something that got canceled. That was coming up right before the pandemic kind of reared its ugly head and kind of shut a lot of things down. The fact we got to this point is huge. And it's something that I feel like we just are underappreciating. The fact that we have this, all this stuff back. And I was talking to my mom about this because we were saying how it's like, hey, you know, like she doesn't necessarily think of bas- college basketball and baseball usually kind of intersecting. I'm like, no, they do intersect quite a bit. This is the time of year where it's a real pain to be an SID because there's so many different things, especially for smaller schools. In the case you will, you're able to have an individualized person that handles men's, women's basketball, baseball, and softball. But let's say you're like a Loyola of New Orleans, you've You've got to have a lot more people handling that one thing. It's that crossover season. It's probably the most daunting like few weeks of a calendar year for an athletic program in college. I'd say this one, 
And then I'd say probably like the few weeks because obviously football is a little bit different because you have just one game a week versus two or three, and this is just a lot more of a different ball game because you've got two games back-to-back Friday, Saturday versus how it used to be where it's Thursday, Saturday. There was just so much going on. It it was kind of made your head spin because it was keeping your head on a swivel, and it kind of doesn't really stop today because we got LSU-based basketball going on. That'll be starting at 1 right here on 103.7 The Game. And then at 7 o'clock, you'll hear the second leg of the doubleheader between LSU and Nichols because they'll be playing Youngstown State in the first game. The Nichols is going to make its way up from Thibodeau to take on LSU. There'll be no game on Sunday for LSU, by the way. So basically have your entire Sunday free. Do what you will. But I want to talk about some high school basketball for a minute because there was some really I heard a lot of like local teams, and I didn't kind of realize. It. I know I heard Foot talk about it earlier this week how many there actually were. It was insane to kind of look back at. Look at it, Class Five A. Lafayette High fell to one seed Natchitoches Central, sixty-seven fifty-two. Southside in their first playoff appearance came up short to Saint Amant, sixty-eight fifty-two. Como exited early, sixty-nine fifty-six. Lost to Zachary, the only Acadian area team. Six-seeded New Iberia. Hold serve against Parkway. They'll be taking on 11th seed North Shore next. Then in Class 4A, a lot more. In fact, an interesting matchup with 16 seed Cecilia beating 17 seed Eunice 74-53. Very one-sided. Now comes what I was talking about as some sad news out of New Orleans. I saw this last night. I just It didn't ring a bell, so I was kind of looking at the final scores, and all of a sudden I saw, you know, the Cecilia's going to be taking on the number winner of the 132 matchup between Carver and Warren Easton. George Washington Carver last night was hosting Warren Easton. And the game got stopped after the first quarter. So all of a sudden, final seconds of the first quarter of a high school basketball game, shots rang out at the Carver High School gymnasium, and a New Orleans law enforcement officer was fatally wounded on Friday. This comes from WGNO out in New Orleans, and a lot of other people have pick this up as well but what's crazy is i wound up watching the video and you can check it out on your own it's it's crazy to think that you he, you were hearing after shot misses the bet misses the rim you're hearing the gunshots they're still playing the game like they're still playing like but they wind up stopping like a few seconds later but from the highlight you hear the gunshots and they're still passing the ball around you, you see a rebound you see him kind of reset and play and then things stop. Like, it was crazy just to see that site where they were continuing to play the game despite, despite all the stuff that happened. But I, I believe they did wind up calling off the game from there. It was 22-2. to they, they called it. I haven't seen anything official yet, or at least last night when I was kind of putting the show together. I'm going to go ahead and kind of confirm what happened with the LHSAA and what they wound up doing with that. Because, again, that, that was probably one of those big stories. I was just like, that is really unfortunate. I hope your thoughts and prayers to the law enforcement officer who got shot. The entire situation just seemed like a mess. Okay, George Washington Carver did wind up advancing. They wound up just because, in the fact, they called it 22-2. So Cecilia is going to be traveling over to Carver High. Then we get to... 13 seed Northside, they'll be advancing. Salmon forfeited due to COVID, obviously. A lot like what happened with Karen Crow this year, where their first-round matchup was forfeited. 
It was 2 nothing forfeit. And they'll be taking on Woodlawn Shreveport. Bo Shane was the 18th seed eliminated early by Booker T. Washington, 54-45. And yet, in Class 3A, 16th seed Jennings beat Mansfield, 57-52. Madison Prep is going to be the next opponent. So out of the frying pan, into the fire. That's where the number 16 seed Jennings is going to go. 12 seed Crowley holding off Caldwell Parish, 50-45. They'll be taking on the 5 seed Bozier. Not so fortunate news for St. Martinville losing to Donaldsonville, 67-53. 6 seed Ville Platt handles Brutally, 77-61. St. Martinville, Ville Platt squaring off in the second round. That's going to be a lot of fun. Then we get to Class 2A. 5 seed Franklin takes care of Arnado, 89-56. 12 seed West St. Mary holds on and beats Capital, 66-55. So Franklin and West St. Mary are squaring off in the second round. Kind of jumping around with some of the other matchups. Looking at the select side of things, the first round matchups for Division Two are going to be starting on Tuesday. That'll be 13 seed Turlings at four seed Edie White. Meanwhile, St. Thomas Morgan will be hosting Loyola Prep, a 2:15 matchup, not 2:15 p.m., but a two versus 15, I should say. Then we've got in Division Three later today. We've got nine seed Catholic High New Iberia taking on eight seed St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm kind of going in order according to the bracket from LHSA.org. Because last night, number three seed Notre Dame advanced with a 66-33 win over Crystal Ray Baton Rouge. And they'll be taking on the winner of St. Charles versus LCA. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Then we had Ascension Episcopal come up short against North Lake Christian, 70-67. The 10 seed is Blue Gators. Their season comes to an unfortunate end. And then on Tuesday, March 2nd, Lafayette Christian will be taking on St. Charles. It'll be a 6 versus 11 matchup. And again, the winner of that will take on number 3, Notre Dame. Then in the Division 4 state championship, you've got only two Acadian area teams involved. This will be Vermillion Catholic, the 9 seed. They'll be taking on Hamilton Christian on Monday. It'll be 9 versus 8 matchup on Monday. That'll be Vermillion Catholic traveling to Hamilton Christian. Then you got Opelousas Catholic hosting Ascension Catholic in a 7 versus 10 matchup. That's about it when it comes to Acadiana area teams involved in the high school playoffs. Very much intrigued by what it, what we could see potentially in the second round in the Division Three playoffs with Notre Dame and Lafayette Christian Academy. Because we know Lafayette Christian Academy has absolutely just built a dynasty over there, for especially for basketball. Football, they've been building. They've won four straight. But I feel like the basketball program is the one where that thing is just head and above the rest, at least in terms of our perspective or our perception of it. Because we always talk about how their their women's team, I mean, Ben Love has called several state championship games for us here in Delta Media of Lafayette Christian Academy games since he's come over here. That's a lot of different championships, and they've racked them up like crazy. Say the same about STM. I think SCM, I'm, I'm interested to see how they wind up working out. I mean, again, they're a two seed, so it feels like they, they're on paper, could very well set themselves up to be back inside of Burton Coliseum and Lake Charles. Obviously, the semifinals, they could very well be in the Cajun Dome, which, by the way, maybe the best thing I heard like all month was that. Because we can just get into arguments about all this stuff about all the other behind-the-scenes politics and all that stuff. 
the fact that we are here and we are actually going to get this happening, I I can't speak enough of how great of a feeling that is. To see that officially happening, we're getting at least some of that old top 28 feel back at the Cajun Dome. And I hope we can see this kind of move things forward. Will it happen and will it be in full gear? I don't necessarily think so. But at least give us, you know, the semifinals. At least split up the semifinals going forward. And then the final, I don't know. There's a, there's a way you could wind up doing If Cajun Dome would wind up letting coming in, let him come in with a smaller entry fee, I think that would be the way to go about it. That would probably be the only way this thing would be able to be agreed upon. At least that's the way that I viewed this entire thing from Jump Street. Maybe I'm completely off base here. You can call me up 337-706-0111 about you know, what it would take to bring this thing back on a full-time basis, the state championships. Because I think that's absolutely what's been missing. Because you know, we see all the time how many different things are going away. You know, we see now like live sporting events are really the only thing that's truly back, but it's not a full hundred percent attendance, it's twenty five percent. Some places like Arkansas, where the LSU Tigers will be playing in, in there in a Bud Walton Arena. I, my brain was trying to think of what it was called. I had so many different arenas in my name, in my mind, because of Ben yesterday. So that's about 50%. A lot of, I mean, there's no real franchises that are operating at 100% capacity anywhere around the world. And then you have, you know, no concerts for the, for, for the foreseeable future. I know nobody listens to Taylor. I would think no, nobody listens to Taylor Swift that listens to the station. But if you do, you know, more power to you. I saw her tour got canceled. So, and I know, obviously, just looking at the Cage Zone specifically, you know, something like uh, WDB programming, that might not be coming to the Cage Dome anytime soon because, well, we were very much sitting on our hands during that show. And, well, I'm almost certain that this is pretty much put the death knell if it wasn't already starting to go the way of, you know, kayfabe. House shows are going away, too. So that 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 big part of the gate is gone. That part of potential revenue is gone. So I think you need to be able to realize, hey, you know, bring this back. And that could wind up being a good source of revenue until, you know, you can get full-blown concerts with packed crowds. I think that would be the way to go. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm off base. But I think that's where it kind of lands for me. But in other news in terms of high school sports, i got to give a shout-out. STM Girls Soccer won their fourth straight state title today or yesterday. Fourth straight over Lakeshore, winning 4-2 after trailing one nothing at halftime. Brooklyn Babineau. Most outstanding player again, fourth straight state title. Wow. And we talk about Danny Broussard, how he's building a dynasty over there. LCA's building a dynasty. Jim Hightower has a dynasty. And we we almost seemingly jokingly bring up the old phrase, you know, three three seven area code of champions. It's amazing how relevant that statement continues to be. Cause, you know, we we talk about mainly here is the meat and potato sports. Football, basketball, baseball. I'll bring up wrestling. I have Cage Strong Style Podcast, which I finally dropped the other day which, for a whole different reason. I, In case you don't know, I was out for a few days, not because of 
you know, the other that the, the uh, pandemic stuff. But this was more, you know, other things. Let's go ahead and leave it at that. So yeah, I had to deal with that for a few days, and I was able to come back and start it and tape the podcast on Thursday instead of the typical Monday when it normally drops. You can check it out at forty one of the Cage Strong Style Podcast, talking Elimination Chamber and also Championship Wrestling Gulf Coast making its debut this Sunday out in Lake Chuck. Before we take a quick timeout, let me give you an idea about what's going on in our rewards club at 1037thegame.com. And guess what? 2021, it's been so far, you know, so good, at least for me. Maybe it hasn't been for you. But you can turn your luck around with 1037 Games Luck of the Irish Sweepstakes presented by First Turn. We're giving away a $500 Visa gift card to one lucky winner. So go ahead and sign up in the clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com. That's the Luck of the Irish Sweepstakes presented by our good friends over at First Turn. And, of course, 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station. Once again, the Luck of the Irish Sweepstakes. It's up for grabs right now in our rewards club. Free to enter, free to join. If you're not part of it already, what in the world are you waiting for? It's Under the Dome with CD, and we got more coming up next. The show for all the guys that got picked last for a pickup game of basketball. Now, let's get back to one white man who can't jump. It's the famous CD on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadia in a sports station. 103.7 The Game at 103.7 The Game.com. The Twin Peaks hotline is open. 337-706-0111. If you want to get into any of the conversation about, you know, what we're talking about with the Russell Wilson rumor and innuendo. But I want to talk about what's going on with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns because, you know, outside of what happened on Wednesday and Thursday night for the baseball, for the softball, and, no, excuse me, Wednesday and Thursday for the baseball and softball teams, respectively. There we go. So we're going to get that in, con- in chronological order. It's been a pretty damn good week, or pretty damn good last 24 hours or so. For the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Why do I say that? Well, they won pretty much every one of their contests amongst the big, again, meat and potato sports. Soccer wound up taking an L last night, one nothing to Alabama. To start off the spring schedule, eh, it's what it is. We're not going to necessarily fault them for that. But we are going to kind of give a lot of credit to softball and baseball. Basketball getting it done. Men's basketball clinching a two-seed in the West Division that, when I saw it, I was like, that is huge. Because, again, in that tournament, I think the Cajuns have to have, like, a top-level seed. And this means they'll be they'll be playing. I'm going to pull this up to remember where they would land. I believe they'll be playing on, yeah, they, they won't be playing until Saturday, March the 6th. And I believe they'll be taking on the winner of Game 2, which is going to be your 3-seed in the East and your 6-seed in the West. They'll be The 2-seed will be the Game 2 will be on Friday, March the 5th. Tip-off for that one slated for 5.30. And again, this is how weird 2021 sports is. is the original idea of this tournament is basically... 
you have to go and play your home game. You have to play at home at least once if you're such and such ranked. But if you're a one seed, you get a double bye and you go straight to you know the second round. But no, in this one, it's a little bit. It's very wonky the way the bracket looks. But the Cajuns, they're going to be taking on the winner of Game 2. And the tournament goes until March Monday, March 8th. But why I say it's kind of wonky is because just look at how the rest of the, like, the leagues are doing it. The SEC, for instance, they've still got like one more week left of their season to go. They've got one more week to kind of wrap up their season. They've got Mizzou. To, they add Mizzou on next Saturday's contest at 2 o'clock. To kind of wrap up the regular season, a nice little bow before the SEC tournament. Cajuns basketball is having their their tournament start on Friday, and it's gonna be like a four day tournament. It's like very much a fast forward type game. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just wild to see how this whole thing is being put together. And I think this might actually favor the Cajuns a little bit more because I've talked about it a lot. On this show and uh, like over the past couple years, is the Cajuns are usually a team that could be like two and out. Basically, they could be they're going to get in there. They're going to be a team that winds up getting a win over a team, and then they could get bounced out the next day. I think if they can get to and they get to Saturday, they just automatically go, and then Sunday it's your semifinals. So basically, you get your playing games on on Friday, you get your four playing games, and then it's your quarterfinals, your semifinals, and your finals. I think this playoff format benefits them tremendously. The fact you get this by, you get to advance straight to the quarterfinals, that's huge. Because of the way the trends have been in the past, do I think the Cajuns will make it into the Sunbelt Conference, win the Sunbelt Conference Championship? History says no, but I think if they can play the way they have in the past, especially this year, because it's been very much, you know, nerve-wracking anxiety games. And if they can have these nerve-wracking games added onto their resume and just build up to where they can get to the end of this line, I'm looking forward to seeing what, where this whole thing goes. It's a lot like the Matrix. I'm Want to see how far down the rabbit hole we go. And the Cajuns are a team that I think absolutely has a chance to get into the NCAA tournament if they can play a little bit better and not have like these anxiety games. Because when I look at the Cajuns' schedule and the way they've performed this year, especially in conference play, it doesn't necessarily sit well to me. Because you know they've really had games be determined by last-second possessions, lights going out on a Friday night game. You've had some really nerve-wracking games since the turn of the new year. Yes, he played some relative jobbers. The only loss you had in non-conference was a number two-ranked Baylor Bears, who are still really damn good. Beyond that, you really haven't beating a truly like juggernaut of a team. You played LSU Shreveport, LSU Alexandria, and UNO twice. And you, and you played a lot of tech and 
McNeese Day, then you took like almost a half month off. Then you had, I think the only really one sided games you had were probably Arkansas State during that win streak. And then you lay an egg against Texas State, a team that you probably could have, not, not Texas State, you lay an egg when you go over to Arkansas State. Like you were able to dominate them at home, then you go to Jonesboro and you lay an egg. It was, it was baffling to me to see where things were. Meanwhile, Texas State is clinched the West, and that's a crazy story in and of itself. And it's just, again, crazy to see how everything kind of works out. Georgia State, I believe, is going to be the one seed. I mean, it's it's confusing as I'll get out just looking at I'm going to go ahead and pull up the standings because I'm having a hard time like reading the way it is on Google, so I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah, what do you know? Georgia State, 7-4 and four overall. They're the one. They'd be winning the East, but I think they're now it's a 12. I think it's 12 or, I know it's 12 or 13 conference games. But I think obviously after tomorrow, after today they'd probably wind up being eight and four and they would fall into that into that line of being you know the, the minimum because they had to drop the minimum down, which benefited the women's team a lot. But again, you'd have George State, South Alabama would be your one two seed, and the Cajuns again if the, if the seeds stay where they are right here right now. In case you're wondering, the Cajuns would play again winner game two. So they'd play the three seed. They'd play the winner of Coastal Carolina. And they would play the winner of Coastal Carolina ULM. And Coastal Carolina has looked really good this year. Six, eight, 14 and 6, 8 and 5 in conference play. I think this also kind of speaks to how, for the most part, it has been an absolute like dogfight inside of conference play. Because there's not a single team except for Texas State above 700. The closest team is Georgia State 636. Enters your conference percentage, which is what matters most. Even then, Georgia and Texas State are the only two that are above 700 in their overall record percentage. That's wild to think about. But, you know, we got to give credit to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns for really kind of turning this thing around because it felt like for a bit. It was starting to look like the Cajuns from a couple years ago. And I've mentioned this before. We had guys like Malik Marchetti, guys that got injured before conference play, and that would wind up hurting you down the down the road. But now we've started to see more guys step up and be able to perform at a really high level. Case in point, last night with the Cajuns in their 66-61 win. Theo Okuba, he only put up 13 points. It was his career high, but he led the way in the win, and that is more than enough to tell me, hey, he is going to be a guy to keep an eye on and a force to be reckoned with with this team. And it was just great to see him put it together. Ty Harper, again, he is he's a freshman, this guy. He's a freshman, 12 points, 5 of 12 from the field. I want to see this guy be a leader going forward. I, I hope he can learn. A, he's learned a lot from you know your guy, Cedric Russell, because he is going to be a somebody. He's going to be a menace in the Sunbelt Conference in my mind. He has really come alive in the last few ball games and has turned it around and be able to kind of turn it to a different level. And that's what you need 
if you're a program like the Cajuns and you're trying to get and you're trying to get back into the big dance in, in, in Indianapolis in a couple weeks. Then the Cajuns women's team, they are officially setting themselves up nicely heading into the big dance. I, I, I'm just looking forward to that as well. I, I've just sat there I'm like, we are really like getting close to this. We're getting towards the end of the line. They're clenching a almost regular season crown. That's something that's crazy. And it's a historic 50th season for Cajuns women's basketball. I got to give a shout out to Gary Broadhead before I take a quick timeout because I remember watching him when I was in high school. I used to go, my cousin played high school basketball at Turling. So I used to go watch some of the games back in the day, cheer on. They wanted to go into state my freshman year. But I remember watching a lot of those games, and it's like, you know, and then seeing Gary Broadhead take over as head coach of the Raging Cajuns and seeing him turn this program around and be able to get to this point. It felt like he was continuing to get somewhere. And then he'd have that ceiling just basically he'd bump up against it multiple times, multiple times. He'd just bump his head up against it. But that wasn't the case this year. He finally broke that proverbial glass ceiling. And now this Cajuns team is on the cusp of doing something they haven't done in a long time. Going to be a number one seed in the West in that tournament in Pensacola. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I saw somebody bring up, it's like, why are we going to Pensacola? Like, why couldn't we have done this in New Orleans? Well, because it's all about the money. It's all it's been about. You know, this has been something that was planned well in advance before COVID happened. This was an inevitability. I hope they can bring the tournament back to the state of Louisiana and have it in New Orleans because I think that's really a great spot where it's at. But, you know, I don't control this stuff. I just am here on radio talking to you and saying, hey, this is a bit of an issue. But it's crazy to think, you know, and this Cajun team, Winners of 12 straight is even more insane. They, they've just absolutely been on a tear. And a lot of it, I think you got to say it, a lot of it is because of the fact of COVID. And it's not because they had COVID. It's the fact that other teams have had COVID, and that's given them a chance to get guys rested, warmed up, refreshed. And also the fact you had those, that minimum brought down, the minimum I was just talking about with my Georgia State, that's helped them out. As I even get into Cajuns baseball, which I'll get to in a little bit, we'll get to it in the next segment, because I got a lot, of, a lot of thoughts about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on the diamond. Last night, victors over the Rice Owls. I'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. trying times. The world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com Hopefully I have a great one. Hour number one, largely in the books. But guess what? Hour two of two coming your way in just a little bit. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Stage. we got all kinds of great stuff coming up for you today. 
Obviously, we just got done with the bulk of our weekend programming, but we ain't stopping after 1 o'clock. I might not be here. We got tons of stuff going on. We got LSU basketball taking on Arkansas. Big game. I'll talk about that a little bit in the 12 o'clock hour. But trust me, it was a massive undertaking to get the, this done. But we're getting it. We're giving you not one but two LSU games. We're giving you a double dose. Tonight, 7 o'clock, you've got LSU. They're gearing up to take on the Nichols State Colonels in the second leg of a doubleheader, a two-team doubleheader. And I'm trying to figure out why people are talking about Matty Ice. I'll try and figure get more details on that as we start our number two. I don't know if it's something about Matt Ryan and what he did or or it's base or it's I, it's weird because I'm seeing people just start talking about Matty Ice and maybe it's golf and I'm just completely like ridiculous. But we'll talk about that and more next, especially about those Louisiana Raging Cajuns. What happened last night? Hayden Dirk, I think without a doubt, he's starting to prove himself to be the starter, the ace of aces for this Cajuns team, and he is a supernova right about now. We'll talk about that and more next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome everybody. Hour number two of two of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7, the game. And 1037thegame.com. Appreciate you listening in. And, of course, we're coming to you live. Here, this, worldwide. From the beautiful First South Farm Credit Studios. And hopefully you have a great one so far. Appreciate you listening in however you're doing. So be it through that FM dial. This is where the power lies. Or if you're a little more tech savvy, you got the 1037thegame.com loaded up. Maybe the free mobile app. Or maybe even that Amazon Alexa smart speaker, baby. You can check us out that way as well. You can listen to us for free that way. What's really cool is you can actually re-enable the Alexa skill right now if you haven't already. Make sure you go do that. That we can listen to us wherever the heck you are on this beautiful Louisiana Saturday morning. Everybody, I mean, it's kind of just a man. I mean, yesterday was perfect. Like, it was fantastic. I felt like the, the sun was out for the first time in a while, at least to me. Then again, I was just at home the last few days just feeling pop on. I was able to kind of finally make the comeback yesterday. Definitely great. Hopefully you have a good one so far. Of course, whether you're pouring that second cup of coffee, maybe that first cup of coffee you're up a little late, or popping that first top of the day, getting a little day drinking going on, maybe doing some fishing, more power to you. But I gotta tell you, make sure you check out 
1037 Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and step up your fashion game because we got some cool stuff, including 1037 Game t shirts and face masks. All you got to do is sign up today by visiting the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, rack up 100 points, maybe score some official merch that we can look like us, and also reps Acadiana's number one sports station. It's just that simple, my friends. Hopefully, you are enjoying the show. Hour two. Getting underway, I want to talk about the Cajuns baseball game last night. 7-3 win over the Rice Owls. And it was a markedly better performance by Hayden Dirt. Now, yes, he allowed three runs in the game, but he still got the win. Five innings of work, nine strikeouts. Nine strikeouts. That's impressive. Again, this kid is a freshman from North Vermillion, and he has really proven to me a lot. And I, right when I saw he was the starting pitcher for that Friday night opener, I was surprised. I was like, okay, this is way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I didn't expect this at all. But I ain't complaining. I'll never complain about seeing somebody like that out there doing his best. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table in the not-too-distant future. Meanwhile, the Cajuns going to be looking to try and make it two in a row and take the series, and it's going to be interesting to see where the uh, name is escaping me right now. I'm going, but I know the, they're going. To go, it was TBA, but they're going with a little bit of a different starter today. And David Christie, freshman from St. Thomas More, he'll be getting the start for the Cajuns today. I hadn't seen anything in terms of Connor Angel. Where what his status was, and I'm not gonna put words in coach's mouth or anything. I'm not gonna say anything, but you know, there's apparently he could be a little injured, maybe maybe a little bit under the weather in, in terms of a non-COVID way. But it's crazy to think that you know this is a guy that was pegged as like a preseason All Sun Belt type. And the plan was, apparently, he was going to wind up being a guy being used in Wednesday's game against LSU, but he wasn't. I don't know if he was using a lot of tech game. I hadn't really looked at that box score. I was just more, I was trying to remember what, you know, Dex said at the beginning of the week, because he wanted to get Connor Angel some more reps. I didn't throw him then either. I mean, you had Spencer Aragetti out there throwing six and two-thirds. He looked like a Man, man, possessed as well. Nine strikeouts, nine or six and two thirds shutout innings. Only allowed one hit, one hit. Brandon Talley looked like this team's like offense is starting to turn around. They're looking good, but it's the pitching that's really understated. Like for once, we're starting to see things work together, and more importantly, run support. Because that was something I noticed with the Cajuns over the last few years had been kind of a bugaboo. There, but now it's like you got a lot of guys who are hitting a, at a really decent clip. I mean, Tyler Robertson out there, he's hitting 241. The leadoff guy is not half bad. That's Jail right behind him, 267. Connor Kemple, 304. He had a rock of 40. He's out there rocking a 421 batting average, son. That's a, that's a really good front of the lineup. And then everybody else is like, you got your lowest hitter in terms of the starting lineup. Today, or yesterday, I should say, was a 188. And that's Jacob Brandon, a guy who's relatively young. 
but you got so much talent. Drake Osborne, Brennan, Brennan Bro has come alive this year, and it's great to see him kind of do that thing. I mean, he hit a home run in, I believe it was in, no, it was, it was, it was, it was Robertson. Robertson hit one last night, and he ri- let it rip. You have these guys let it rip, and you have so much talent. I think that this Cajuns team has potential to do some great things. Now, yes, they lost to the LSU, and they lost the game to Tulane. But Tulane's a damn good team. LSU, I feel like maybe even better than they than I thought they were going to be. And I think a lot of it has to do with their offense because you know I've heard Punt Palmer talk about a lot how much that offense kind of that lineup concerned him. I think that that lineup is all but making me say, hey, you know, this is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Now, if it translates into success once conference play starts, we'll see. But it's starting to look really nice. Now, let's go over to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, how's it going today, buddy? Hey, what's up? Look, man, talking about some Cajun baseball. I don't know how much you follow uh, Coach Deggs' career. Did you remember? Did you follow his career when he was at Texas A&M in about two thousand seven and eight and nine? I know a lot about. Uh, I read his books. So I was able to kind of get the footnotes on all that stuff and and him and his journey back into it. I mean, coming over to joining the Cajuns coaching staff and then going over to Sam Houston and knowing what he does as a hitting coach is absolutely massive and be able to see that and have some time to really develop. I think that's where I've just noticed, and it's just crazy how much. Things have changed because last year this team was in the like started off with a little bit of a losing skid. The offense wasn't clicking. Now things are starting to click. Okay, well, let me tell you something. When he was at A and M, when he first got there, uh, you know A and M wasn't too much of a hidden team. But uh, by the time he left, they were a force, and a lot of their players bulked up. It was like a transformation. Then he comes back to the Cajuns. Uh, it was in like the two thousand. 13 season, then the 2014 season. I know that some players that weren't too, they were kind of thin, and when it got to the 2014, they had bulked up too. Well, let's translate to this season right here. I mean, Brandon Bro, man, he's put on some LBs, and I mean, with some, some muscle. And you look at that center fielder, that guy's well put together too. I ain't seen getting, getting them on steroids, but whatever it is. I wasn't going to say that. that goes, that goes his players are well bulked up, and they well uh, they got a lot of strength and a lot. I mean, you notice the difference. They they've been eating a lot of rice and gravy. They they they've eaten a lot of that rice and gravy, brother, during during the quarantine. I'm almost certain. So they've definitely been bulking up, and it's great to see. Though I appreciate the call, by the way. But yeah, I know. I think there's so much going on with this team that just they are absolutely built, and it's. I think it's just the fact that you've got so much talent on there. Because again, you can be. Built as all get out, and we talk. We've talked about the steroid scandals a lot over the last twenty, thirty years that have destroyed you know the, the state of Major League Baseball. I think it's not necessarily all about the steroids because you can look like a three hundred pound behemoth, but unless you've got that keen eye to be able to kind of every time be able to hit the barrel of the ball just to, just the barrel of the bat a certain way. You send that thing flying. You've got to be able to have that kind of setup. You've got to have that if you're going to wind up being considered remotely close to being a great hitter. 
But these guys are hitting, relatively speaking, for average. You know, Tyler Robinson only hit, only had one hit, but it was a home run to start off the damn game in the bottom of the first. Then you get, like, it's the fact you have that, that front four. You have your starting, your leadoff guy, which kind of changes to determine what kind of guy you have. Case in point, the Astros. George Springer. If Tyler Roberts can be anything like a George Springer, I'm just saying. Eye emojis all around, if you can have that. But I think he's more fit as a really good hit-for-average type of guy. 267, that's where Ben Fitzgerald is right now. 304, Connor Kemple. 421, Carson Rockaforty. Those four guys are absolute monsters. Then Drake Osborne. Then Brennan Bro. Those are six guys. And not a single one of them dips below 240 in your batting average. That's the sweet spot. Last year I saw a lot of guys that fell below, well below 240. Well below the, the Mendoza line. Well below some of those numbers. I gotta say, that's where we're at. And that's how this team is winning ballgames. Yes, the, the power was off on Wednesday night against LSU. But it is what it is. It's baseball. You're not gonna be able to hit lights out every single night. But seeing them have consistent hitters. Consistency is the key word there. That's great. Meanwhile, Cajuns and softball, they bounced back last night with a pair of wins over Buffalo, winning 7 nothing, then 16 nothing. Open up a can on them. 23 to nothing combined wins before they take on two really top level teams. 130 taking on Oklahoma State, who is currently ranked 8th. And then LSU, a rematch at 4 o'clock. It's going to wrap up on their slate for the weekend. Or, excuse me, then they take on then they take on Oklahoma State tomorrow afternoon to wrap things up at home at Lamson Park. So you got three ranked teams over the next two days you're playing. This is going to be the ultimate test. It's very much... Super regional-esque feel or regional-esque feel because you're playing two really good teams over the next two days. In this case, you played LSU already today. This week is a true ultimate test for them because they're playing almost every single day this week. And it's impressive. I'm looking forward to seeing how this Cajuns team is going to look, especially with some of the hits they've had, you know, you know, Roman is out for the year. You have Raina O'Neill. She's out. She's done for the year as well. Those two alone are such huge hits to your staff and to your depth and to the morale. Hopefully they can kind of fill those voids. And then I think the other thing is, and this is something I've talked about for years, find that second pitcher. Because you can't just keep throwing Summer Ellison out there it's not going to work out in the long run. Because I'm, I'm just saying, go last year, if if the season went the way it was supposed to, that Cajun team probably could have won, been to the College World Series and made it to the semi, made it, made it one step close, like just on the cusp of making it into the finals because you had two world-class pitchers. You don't have to have a world-class pitcher, but you've got to have, one really great pitcher, an almost elite pitcher, and a really good second. 
Summer Ellison's really good. She's kind of maybe a couple steps off, but she's still got that ability to get you where you need to go. But you need to have somebody else there. That way you're not burning her or burning that candle at both ends. It's not like a business. You got you to think about it from a business. If you're going to be able to succeed, you need to have at least two aces. You need to have two guys that you are going to rely on for a lot of different things. That way, if one isn't necessarily working as well, you've got that second one to back you up. You've got that second one to get you that, that win, if you will. And it's, I mean, in softball, obviously, it's treated very much like what's going on with with college. I think it's it's the same kind of thing because you've got to figure out where you're at. And baseball, you have normally a four, maybe five five man rotation if you're a really good team. In the case of the Dodgers, they've got five. They're gonna have like a really good five man rotation. Softball's different. I think you can get by with a two-person rotation. You have two people out there. You have one for your like really, really big games, your crucial you know, game twos to try and clinch a series win. And then you play that third one. Maybe throw in the person who started game one. And I think you have those. You have two really good ones. That's a key to get to Oklahoma City. That's a key to get to Oklahoma City for the Cajuns. And I hope they can get to that point. I hope they can find that person because I just don't know where that person is, at least right now. We're going to take a quick time out under the dome with CD returns next. Have a little LSU as well. These are getting ready to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks as well as, you know, we'll talk about LSU baseball getting the win last night. And again, they're looking damn good. And a lot of it has to do with their offense. And the youth movement. We talk. We talked a lot in the offseason about the guys returning. I think it's the young pups that are surprising us. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game sometimes for the sake of my sanity i've got to turn off social media during the show because i see stuff like this during the break and it's from Nick Underhill of New Orleans, I believe it's New Orleans dot football. It's a premium site if you haven't checked it out yet. But apparently he recorded, he got a capture a video from Tony Durkin's Instagram stories, and Drew Brees is absolutely going ham, pushing sled up and down the street. Yes, you're right, pushing a sled, not like not like the like I did a rod sleds. I'm talking about like those weighted sleds. You like. I have never seen him just absolutely go off. I mean, obviously, it's Drew Brees' watch 2021. We haven't heard if he's coming back. But Nick Underhill needs to choose his words a little more wisely because he put Drew Brees is staying fit. And if you're not paying attention to the tweet off top and you're kind of like 
in a little bit of a daze, you might see staying put. And that absolutely may put the fear of God in people. But seeing Russell Wilson rumor in your window, and he is officially getting back into it. Whoo, boy. I don't even want to get into all of that. Because I, I think he should just hang it up. Is if he keeps coming back, it's only going to hold back the Saints from getting to where they need to be. He's, I think it, he comes back. We're just sitting here, and we're going to continue to get these, this feeling of, hey, when are we going to move on? When are we going to get off this ride to get on to the next one? Because Breeze has not looked the same over the last like two, three months. It's not great. Not great, Bob. Get him out of here. Just get him out. All right, it's not a Doma CD. Hopefully you have a good one so far. 337-706-0111 is the number to call. If you want to get in and talk about what's going on with the LSU Tigers, Cajuns, Saints, whatever. I'm, I'm wide open for you. But I want to talk about LSU. Is basketball going to be getting started in about another 35 minutes? With LSU basketball tip off one o'clock, you'll hear it right here on one hundred three seven. The game taking on an Arkansas team that is on an absolute tear lately. They have just come alive lately. Eighteen and five overall record, fourteen and seven is LSU. But this is an Arkansas team currently ranked twentieth. Undoubtedly, is going to go way up unless they lose this game tonight. Arkansas after. Or actually, I'm going to go ahead and go back. In conference play, has only lost twice. Twice. Yeah. LSU was their only other loss. Alabama, they avenged on Wednesday night with an 81 66 win over an Alabama team that looked to be damn near unstoppable. Since the loss to LSU and Alabama, they have. Wiped the floor with, they eked out a win over over Auburn, beat the pants off of Vanderbilt. Mind you, Vanderbilt's just god awful in basketball. They're they're baseball school, so who cares? Then they whipped up on Ole Miss for the third straight win. Then they lost to Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve Challenge. Is what it is. It was a close game. Then you won against Mississippi State, one sided. You eked out a win over a mediocre Kentucky team. Beat up on a Mizzou team that was that's ranked twenty fourth right now in the country. You got seventy. You beat a really good Florida team, a on, a on paper really good team, and then again, you beat that other bad boy in the West, and that's Alabama. The only the only loss you have now to avenge is today at one o'clock. I think they do it because this LSU team. Went from looking like a giant killer. Because just go look back at like a week ago. A week ago. We were talking about that Tennessee game. How huge that was. And I felt like they had a chance to get it done. Because they showed me something after the Mississippi State game. They showed me something there. Showed me the ability to turn things around. They showed me an ability. Say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be able to fix some things without some guys. Darius Days is back. 
and they were able to work some things out. They dominated Tennessee 78-65. A really good win on Valentine's weekend. Then you laid an egg a week later against Auburn. Then you you won against Auburn 104-80. Then you lay an absolute egg in Georgia. 91-78 loss. On Southern net ranking, you tumbled down there pretty darn quickly. You tumbled down the line pretty doggone quickly. It, it tumbled down pretty dang quickly. And now they'll be taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks and then wrap up the season against Vanderbilt and Mizzou. And this is something I talked about a couple weeks ago. That head after the Alabama game, you had Mississippi State, Tennessee, Auburn, Georgia, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mizzou. Or I didn't, didn't have a game scheduled then. And I sat there. I was like, this team is going to win probably a handful of most of those ball games. Especially the Georgia game. Especially the Georgia game. Because Georgia has absolutely looked awful the last couple of seasons. I didn't think they looked as bad as they did on that fateful night. It was a abhorrent performance. And I sat there like, what are we doing? Georgia was a game that should have just been a one-sided affair. And again, it's a lot like what we saw with kind of how things have been for LSU. You take massive steps and you take like a couple big ones backwards. You know, you you start racking up some wins early in conference play. You beat Arkansas. You beat Mississippi. You're able to start off really strong in conference play. You know, yes, you lost to Florida, but you know you were able to still kind of get things done. And then you lose to a Really good Alabama team, but you can't ride the ship after that with the Kentucky game. You lose your second straight. Then you win one, you lose one. It just feels like it's one step forward, two steps back for this team. And they've got to continue to try and further prove their resume. If you get this Arkansas win, that is going to be a huge Q1 win. And then you do it next Saturday. That's a huge Q1 win if you can get it. Vanderbilt. Doesn't really matter, but you need to get it in anyways, for seeding purposes, for seeding purposes, I want to see how this thing's going to change. I want to see how this whole story is going to come to an end. But I just don't like what I've seen lately from LSU basketball to tell me otherwise that they're going to win this one. Because Tennessee, they've been able to pull off some stuff against them over the last couple of years. This is a different monster, and it's in Bud Walton Arena, which has been, it's not a house of horrors like Coleman Coliseum or Rupp Arena, but I still think, you know, the history of it hasn't necessarily been great, especially at home, because I feel like this has just not been great for them so far, because, I mean, 20-8, and that's the lead right now for Arkansas games played in Fayetteville. It's not great, Bob. That's just not where you want to be if you're LSU. And hopefully they can kind of turn this whole thing around and change the narrative. Because if you win this game, the conversation shifts from you being a like also ran and not of that conversation of being a big dog 
But now you're in the conversation of being a almost Kingslayer. You've got a chance to be in the SEC tournament, Jack. I'm looking forward to seeing how things are going to go. I'm looking forward to how, seeing how this whole thing is going to change in the next several weeks. And looking, looking forward to seeing how things are going to shape out in the SEC tournament. Because I think they need a buy. I think they need a buy and probably win one game to truly like stamp home that thing. If they, But they need this win today. I just don't see it. All right, it's under the dome with CD. When we come back, we'll talk a lot more about what's going on with the NFL because I got I got some more pointed thoughts about it, especially with with the Houston Texans. Also, maybe some LSU baseball as well because I think their potential is limitless. Limitless, excuse me. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, one zero three seven The Game and one zero three seven The Game Talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Getting towards the last half hour of the program, leading you up to LSU basketball right here on 103.7 The Game. And while I'm talking to you, I wanted to let you know about what's going on in our rewards club, our clubhouse at 103.7thegame.com. It's free to enter and free to join. And we're giving away a $100 Google Play gift card that can be used for all kinds of great stuff in the Google Play store, including you know apps, games, music, movies, books. I'd say you know if you've got a young one that likes to play a certain video game called Fortnite. I think you can probably get some V-Bucks with this. So, yeah, get those. Keep them happy. Because, you know, the, is apparently V-Bucks are like almost like Bitcoin for kids in Fortnite. I hadn't play, I played Fortnite when it came out and just kind of checked out of it and jumped back in and I got out of it again. But, yeah, I think it's – I believe it's called V-Bucks. I, I don't remember anymore. I haven't played it in a while. But, yeah. I think you can get V-Bucks and stuff like that so you can pay off the microtransactions. Not have to use your credit card. That would be a huge good thing. But again, you can only win this $100 Google Play gift card by becoming a member of the 1037 Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. So go sign up today so you can have a chance at winning that $100 Google Play gift card. I, I, I'm talking about the video games, and I'm kind of going on a different tangent here. I'm going to get to some, cage, uh, some LSU baseball takes in a little bit. But, man, what happened to video games? Like, and this is maybe just me ranting for a second, but I just can't get into, like, video games as much as I used to back in the day. I think it's the fact, like, now it's, oh, hey, you have to wait to... Especially if you get a new game. Like, I've done this a couple times, and it's just, it's it's continued to boggle the mind. Is when you go either buy a new game physically or digitally, you have to wait to download it. 
and those things are, uh, like, especially if you go download like Call of Duty or whatever, that is literally a four or five hour wait period. So now you basically are waiting for your game to load up and download and be able to save into the hard drive and all that stuff. And then you've got all the updates. Like what happened to the good old days where you could just put in a game, hit the power button, and boom, you're there. You can start playing Tecmo Bowl or whatever. Like that's what kind of sucks about video games now. It's like I, constant patches and updates, all that stuff. Just It's not my favorite thing in the world. Just a quick rant there. But on top of LSU baseball for a minute, because there's nothing to rant about about that team like I've done in the past, because trust me, I have been very much LSU what the hell you doing type guy. LSU, you doing really well. Jaden Hill looked really good in his second start. 2-0 and now on the year. Six innings of work. Shutout performance once again. And he only allowed, he only had four strikeouts, but damn, he looked Really solid. I mean, you know the the backup guy, the the relief guys did their job. They did did well. Devin Fano only had two thirds innings of work, only faced two batters, but basically sat him down. Really good stuff right there. Overall, really pleased with the performance of LSU as of late. Like, er, yes, it's early in the season. Outside the cages, who have they played? Really, you know, nobody. They played Air Force, they split two games with them, and then they whipped up, they beat up on La Tech. And La Tech's an okay team. I think there's so much going on. With the Bulldogs, in fact, they had to reschedule a game, in case you didn't know this, they're rescheduling a game for baseball that they were going to have against the Cajuns that was going to be at Mount Rustin at their ballpark at J.C. Love Field, the new Love Field, at Pat Patterson Park. It's still receiving final phase of construction and recovery from the tornado back in 2019. can't believe that was two years ago. Wow. So, yeah, that's been moved from Rustin over to Cajun, over to the Teague at Russo Park. That's going to be first pitch at 6. It'll be this Tuesday, March the 2nd. So, yeah, I mean, free baseball, quite literally. It's basically almost an extra kind of home game. So I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome to see. The fact that we're going to see that get moved over. And so much going on with the Cajuns. Again, so many different like games going on all at once. Same with LSU. You got softball. You got baseball. You got softball having like a whole weird crossover tournament. It's a, it's a weird-ass thing right now. Like I don't understand how they were able to organize that whole thing because it seems like it seems like just a mess and a half to figure out. But I brought up the Cajuns. They're hitting staff. That's saying something. They were actually had a really good like starting like two thirds of their lineup. I gotta say, their lineup for LSU it looks really good, especially their their first two cats, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, both freshmen, absolutely knocking the cover off the ball. Both these guys, a four twenty nine batting average and three hundred. Those are your one two punch. That's how you put things together. That's how you set up shop and you just like absolutely have something you've got a studio going with those two guys just by itself especially Cruz two home runs already in this young year he has looked really good but then you have K Doty he may not have the best batting average on the team 227 it's still pretty good but at the end of the day 
He's he's getting a man. Seven RBI so far this year. Cade Beloso, he has three. He's been getting it done. 267. Then we go to Arnold. Arnold, that cat, I couldn't have told you if this guy was going to be anywhere in that lineup, but batting fifth, shortstop Zach Arnold has been a godsend for this team. He has looked good. The way this staff is just set up, up and down this lineup, I'm impressed. That's even counting guys like Gavin Duga, who's batting 421. Will Safford, another young pup in there. Jordan Thompson, really good. Jake Wyeth, you know, is what it is. I really can't determine, make heads or tails about whether or not he is going to be permanently in that catching role, but, you know, he's doing good with what he's got. He's only had two at-bats. This is his first real start, but he looked good. But I'm intrigued to see how this whole thing is going to carry over once you get into conference play because that's been the biggest bugaboo because they're playing against some really good teams. And it's very weird when it comes right down to it. But I'm looking, I'm liking what I'm seeing from LSU baseball. And this comes from a guy that has absolutely not been a fan of Maneri as a coaching, as a coaching type in terms of hitting, be able to get guys to really be alphas. He's always feels like, you know, Paul Benary, I'm not going to say coddles him, but he always puts him over in a really nice light. There's no burying of the team, and, not, and justifiably so. I'm not going to say, you know, you should be raiming people out every time they make a mistake. No, I don't think that's the case. They can do, but it just, every time I hear him, it always feels like it's kumbaya all the time versus, you know, when things are bad, talk to these guys, and get them motivated to get back out there instead of just saying, oh, hey, guys, let's go ahead and, like, he again, I've talked about it before. He almost sounds like the guidance counselor from Beavis and Butthead. He sounds like that guy where he's like, okay, class, like it's it's that kind of, like, talk about our emotions. I'm like, no, I don't need that. I need a guy that's going to be telling me, hey, you know, like, yeah, we lost, you know, it, it, it's not great. It's not a great feeling, but let's get back into it. Let's get back in the race. We've still got a lot of ways to go. Let's do this. We've got potential. Tomorrow we get we got so and so going out there getting the start. That's how you mo I say there's a way to motivate without just yelling at somebody. And without being a rah rah guy. Because I think that's that's probably the worst style of coach that I can think of, at least amongst like the the pro or co- especially the college ranks. Because a rah rah coach can be it can be good, but at the same time, it can just be really bad because it could just like just ride on you for a while. Because that was something like I always thought about with HUD, and I think that's why I've loved the fact they went from HUD more rah rah, like yell yell versus Billy Napier, who's I'm not gonna say cold and calculated, but he is very much you know he keeps it very low key. He's not he's not too up, he's not too down. And that's something that I think is missing in a lot of different sports. Like, I feel like coaches are one to be up here when they could just be down here. And whenever you need to go up, it perks up the ears because you don't see it that often. Like, I'll be honest. I've been on the sidelines for Cajuns games before COVID, and I noticed Napier was always, you know, just focused. There was a couple times where I saw him visibly frustrated, and it was all after a turnover, obviously. But there was something that I just sat there. I was like, okay, I like this. 
versus, you know, always rah, 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 where he's just getting people amped up. It's like that's not going to get anything done. With baseball, it's trying to get these guys just like zeroed in on what's going down with the LSU tie, with just hitting the baseball. That's really what you have to do, and it's tough. But my God, once you kind of start getting in that rhythm and getting on a heater, that baseball becomes a lot bigger. And that's where LSU's at right now in terms of the world of baseball. They look good. Now, I'm interested to see where this thing is going to change because, you know, you have to change a lot of different things to move forward. You got to make a decision about where things stand with your team the rest of the way. I just don't know. <laughs> I just, it's very weird. But yeah, I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested to see how this whole thing's going to go. But it's Under the Dome with CD. We got more coming up. Not too much more. We got one final take. And then LSU basketball taking on Arkansas. Next, right here on 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I saw something yesterday, and I got to say, the Superdome needs to change some of their phrasing of one of their new upgrades. I'm going to use upgrades in air quotes. Because apparent construction crews have started on the second phase of the Superdome's $450 million renovation project, including a dozen new premium field-level seat suites and viewing decks on two levels at each of the four corners of the stadium. And the latest phase is expected to be completed before the start of next season. And it'll be the most re- visible results of the, of the project yet, as so far focused on upgraded exits, commercial kitchens, and less visible improvements. Hopefully fans will be able to be there but apparently they're going to be called, wait for it, Super Vom. It's called, each area will be known as a Super Vomitory, which is a vomitorium. It, it, it makes me remember my History of the World Part 1, which you haven't checked out yet. Make sure you go watch it and put the kids away when you're watching because it, it gets a little, little raunchy, if you will. But Super Vomitory, they're calling it, or Super Vom. And all unobstructed, view, unobstructed views of the scoreboard and field, a feature that's present at other top-level arenas. And they're calling this the landing area for what they call the new atria in the northwest and northeast corners in phase three and four. Super Vom. Not a great name, guys. You know, come with something better. Because, I mean, again, Vomitory just sounds like it's something that belonged back in the Greek area and belonged, it just absolutely should stay there. Because, my goodness... It is not not a great look. I'll just go ahead and say that. But hopefully you enjoyed the show today as I'm about done with the show. And I'll be back with you next week, same time, same channel, 11 to 1, right here, 1037 The Game. I'm looking forward to this weekend, though, because of two reasons. One, because, well, we got a lot of great sports going on. It's pretty much like keeping your head on a swivel, Jack, amount of stuff that's going on. Number two... In fact, I'm going back to the Teague. I haven't been to the Teague since the pandemic. In fact, the last time I went to the went to the 
went to the Teague was about a year ago. It was, I believe, after the Virginia Tech series when a John Sheff and crew made their way over here and I covered that game. I was supposed to cover the game the next Sunday, which was going to be about a year ago tomorrow. Or I'll say a year ago tomorrow because, again, it was a leap year. But, yeah, and I just don't want to kind of look back at what happened during that time frame that caused me not to actually be at the game. But, you know, is what it is. I'm glad that everything has since worked out. But, yeah, I'm, hopefully you're able to enjoy this weekend as well and enjoy some great sports, maybe some great sports entertainment. The Cage Strong Style Podcast F42 will be dropping on Monday, as long as I don't get sick again. By the way, that was a bad experience. I'll just say, go ahead and say that. You know, being out for a few days absolutely took it out of me. I was like, I... I like being here a lot, and it's just I keep saying all the time, I'm blessed to be here. But when you're not here physically, and you're having to kind of like play air traffic control from your home, or you're also trying to make sure you don't spew or anything, that's an interesting experience I think no one should ever have to deal with. I'll just go ahead and say that and bid you farewell. Appreciate you listening in. Appreciate the call. Yes, the lone phone call. So hopefully you're able to enjoy yourself on this Louisiana Saturday afternoon, however you're doing so. LSU basketball coming up in just a little bit. The starting five just came out, and it feels just about as expected for this ball game, the starting five. I'll go ahead and run that down for you. Before we close up shop and truly get out of here, Javante Smart, Cam Thomas, Trenton Watford, Darius Days, and Andre Hyatt. That's who's getting the start. Meanwhile, Devontae Davis, Moody, Moses Moody, Jalen Tate, Justin Smith, and Connor Vanover are getting the start for the Razorbacks. So until next Saturday, I've been Clint Doming. Well, I'll be Clint Doming tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But the famous CD will be with you next Saturday with another edition of Under the Dome with CD. Until then, I'll talk to you later.